Three, two, one. How long have you been practicing your, your voice? My voice? I, I, I mean, this is across. It's gotten better. It's close. I mean, approaching 100 episodes, like between LLB and EOA. Um, this is, it's almost like a year gap for EOA and then about three, four month gap with LLB. You have to revamp that. How come you never talk about the Ukraine war? We, we did in the initial beginning, right? When it first started. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of uh, covered almost all the angles we could think about. But then um, it kind of died out of the cycle, right? It's kind of in the background now. I mean, Ukraine war still going on. We're still seeing the effects globally, right? How about de-dollarization? I don't know. What are your what are your takes on that? It's happening, man. I mean, uh, Anwar, PM of Malaysia, recently made a very public statement saying there's no need for it. But materially, I don't know what he did in the background to substantiate that. Not much, because he's a, you know. Well, he's, <laughs> be careful what you say. Anwar, Anwar. We're still in Malaysia. Anwar is always Anwar. Yeah. Uh, what would you, maybe you could uh, elaborate on that, but in a nice way, maybe. I think uh, when I see the money come in, you know, from his uh, foreign visits, uh, then maybe I'll give him more benefit to doubt. Yeah, can you get closer to the mic? Yeah. There oh. There you go. <coughs> so you can hear yourself. Um, well, he does have good foreign relations, right? Um, credibility with the US, but it's interesting that he's not leaning on that. He wants to go more towards China. Is that the case? I think that's the ASEAN stance, right? Uh, I think that's a, the that's a world stance, you know? Yeah. The past week, you've seen Lula, Macron, mm-hmm. Ursula von der Leyen. Yeah. Also, she came uninvited. Came what? Uninvited. Uninvited. Lee Hsien Long also went. Yeah, Anwar, from Singapore. That, that, that went. Yeah. And uh, very soon, uh, Annalena Burbock just went. Yeah. Always to lecture. Mm-hmm. Always to lecture. But but I think Macron was a big sign, right? That, that there is not much unity in the EU, especially with France. Well, you'd think that'd be not the case with the Germans. More of the war with Ukraine, right? You thought there would be more unity, at least on the defense front. There seems to be uh, on the policy side. I don't think there was any unity. It, it was always like you know a scheme to bring Germany down, keep it, you know, uh, uh, lead it away from 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 its competitive advantage, move it away from Russia. Mm. But at the same time, you know, Germany is the the biggest, you know, economy in 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 the EU, the, the most powerful one. I mean, politically, it seems to be a pendulum, though. It swings from I mean, like, unity you know, and when are we going to call like you know a spade a spade? You know, what happened to Nord Stream was quite amazing. You are a country that that had your own major infrastructure blown up, and nobody can tell you who did it. <laughs> well, and, and then it, you have yeah. Seymour Hirsch, right? The, the guy yeah. that 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 broke all the big stories. And nobody is talking about him. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there are people on YouTube doing it, mm-hmm. right? But the mass media, which you used to write for, yeah, they suddenly just keep quiet, and they come up with a counter theory: a Ukrainian yak went out and did it. So, what what are the existing theories in the mainstream right now? I think everyone has made it very clear. You know, even Biden said it. Uh, we will put an end to it. End to what? The war? No, put an end to Nord Stream. Don't ask how. We will do it. Do you have the facts? The facts to to back that he's well, he, well, he said it. What? Yeah, uh, a German reporter asked uh, Biden, uh, "How exactly are you going to put an end to Nord Stream two? It's 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 a JV between a German state company and a Russian state company." Yeah, and Biden said, "Verbatim, don't worry, we'll put an end to it." 
Okay, well, yeah, but so, that's very open-ended, though. Come on, look. I mean, there's just so much, you know. You, you can claim that okay, somebody did it. Obviously, I mean, somebody did it. Obviously, the person that did it didn't have to blow it up. You know, the owners didn't have to blow it up to like you know not use it. Yeah, right. And here you have countless countries that were investigating it. Sweden, Denmark, off the shores, you know, and they won't tell who did it. The Germans said they are they are still figuring out who did it. You have this this reporter saying, you know, in, in quite a good believable story, right? Yeah. That that was how the operation was run. Yeah. And everyone, you know, is like, okay, let's not talk about that. Yeah. The whole world is asking, you know, can you please investigate at the UN? Yeah. yeah. And the only country that vetoed is US. Yeah. So I mean. Like, well, at what point do you just say, okay, you know, it's probably them? Well, or do you just want to keep, you know, living in this altered world reality? You, you know, you, you, I mean, well, uh, if you're politically in power, let's let's just assume what you're saying is fact, right? Well, then you don't you do want to live in that world of altered reality, right? Because well, no, I mean, let us explain. There's no living in a world of altered reality, right? You know, people living in a world of altered reality are not living in reality. Well, it's just controlling the narrative. Yes, exactly. The reality is, right, an ally of Germany blew up the pipeline, right, to sabotage, you know, Germany's leverage against withdrawing from the war, joining the war. Yeah. Right? Some form or another, right, it puts Germany's sovereignty, right, in a big spotlight. It was never sovereign, you know, Germany. Well, let's put it this way. It's still an occupied country. Okay, even if it's true and established, what? so what? So what? Yeah, so what's the, what's the, that, that's what's, a what's the, what's the that's consequence a good question. of this? So what, right? I think, you know, the implications are very big. Relying on the US to keep the peace in the part of the world has always been, you know, uh, a double-edged sword, right? Of course. Yeah. I mean, with any world power, if they're number one. Of course. Yeah. Any world power could be doing bad things. Well, I mean, let's, I yeah. mean it's factually probably true that every world power has done bad things. Every damn world yeah. power has, has, has done bad things. Yeah. But now there's only one world power or a few world powers that are completely against war, sanctions, terrorism, you're talking about the Western developed nations. No, I think every other, the, the global South, you know, every other nation besides this, this uh, hegemonic West, this, this uh, seven, six Western countries, yeah? Yeah. They, they all have a shared vision, okay? We want global prosperity, common peace, trade, yeah. peace. Yeah. No war, no sanctions, no, no, no abuse of US dollar, right? No unilateral actions. Mm. Yeah. Uh, we've got to like come together, go towards a green future. It's fine. I, I think everyone's going green. That's there. Well, money, the money is flowing that way. That's, that's for sure. Of course. Technology is caught up. Prices have come down. Yes, yes. People have to like, you know, get back to basics, apply science to those fields that, 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 that would advance the, the human race, right? And not spend money bombing people, wasting it on military things, printing money, you know, for... For what you know, this is all the money is used for 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 things that are not not, not long term, yeah, infrastructure or, or, or education, healthcare. Well, let's shift the conversation. I mean, I think what we're seeing is a very clear divide in geopolitical lines. China and Russia are getting closer now. Western 
They, but, are, they have but, a friendship beyond limits. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, yes, that was the, the, the media title, right? But by hook or crook or whatever the case, Western has to stick to each other, right? Why? Why can't, you know, why do they have to form a clique, you know, uh, East against West, right? Okay, the platform that they're on, I, I think Russia and China and the rest of the world have, have announced, you know, what, what the vision of the world is, yeah? And, and it, it's a vision where, you know, they, they, they don't want nuclear proliferation. They, they don't want this, this trade imperialism. Yeah? They want each country to be sovereign. They want development. They want the BRI. Mm-hmm. And, and the other platform, what are they offering? Nothing but more defense, you know, of their hegemony or, or of their interests. So, so I mean, it, it's like, who, are, who in the world are building roads or new airports, new infrastructure in the whole world. Everyone except them. The, the whole world is doing it, right? Laos is doing it. We are doing it. Yeah. Well, it but, but, but over there, it's crumbling. There, there are no new big projects, you know, that, 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 that bring humanity forward. There mm-hmm. are private companies that do it. Private companies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, even then, they, they rely a lot on, on the East. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I just don't get, you know, why, why is it so hard to talk about why the Western leaders, the, pe- the people, I'm, I, I'm quite sure that the people, the people down, you know, everyone is, the common man wants common prosperity, I guess, right? Yeah. Although there's a lot of, you know, propaganda brainwashing going on, yeah, on, on, on who is a threat to, to who and, and, and the rest. The, the leadership is the one, a bit cuckoo in the head, like going to war, you know, escalating, escalating with, with nuclear superpowers, right? It's, it's not... It's insane. Do you, we can we can the world can end. Well, let's. I mean, look, I I, I kind of I I see your line of thought in terms of uh, escalation of war and conflict. Uh, mm. no, no one wants that for sure, right? It's terrible, man. Yeah, like it's it, it sucks. You know, imagine you live your whole life, right? Yeah, and then you get conscripted and you go die. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, well, we're we're seeing you know that how easy it is. Like when you die in the big yeah. war and, and nothing, you know, no one thinks. Big of it, like you know, how many people yeah. have died in this war? Four hundred thousand, three hundred thousand. Well, it's very weird because we we see that manifestation in. I, I meet a lot of Russian entrepreneurs now doing yeah. startups in oh. the region, and um, their biggest concern is uh, ensuring their permanent residency somewhere. Because if they get deported, they're literally going to the front lines. So it's it's very weird when you talk to them because it's a very different reality from what you see or feel every day. Mm-hmm. But that's actually some people's reality. So that's you know point taken. So so yeah, I. I I mean, why are we having this talk, right? Uh, I'm not trying to, like, you know, attack you personally. or or My my POV is this. Something's wrong in the world. The East and the West are not getting along. The East has a pretty logical platform of peace, you know? This one doesn't seem to. They they, they say the words, I build back better in the West, but but nothing gets done. But at the back of the hand, you know, they fuel the war. Look, I mean, like, there's two things I want to say, right? One, One is, like, if you flip the narrative, you can just... It, I, I think no matter what, like China's the second world power, right? Mm-hmm. Your logic applies from the perspective of the Chinese too. They they also want to maintain their their economic strength. They of want course. they want to be they number want to one. Be number one. Yeah, exactly. So of it, course they do. So the logic applies from that narrative too, from the other side, right? I mean, uh, the same criticism you say towards the West applies yeah, if yeah, China was on why, number one. Why we we are modern human beings, right? It's, yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's the world has never been so global before. Okay. So why are we going back to 2,500 years of logical thought and say, oh, this is a Tutsidity's trap. Uh, there can be only one superpower. I'm not going to like, you know, let it go so easily. 
there's an interesting economic historian that uh, I had to study false, ba- back in false. school school called um, Mankar Olsen and his his theory of of um, I think we should work towards the Star Trek theory of future. Well, well let, let yeah. me let me say let me say first. So it's it's called institutional sclerosis. Over yeah. time, your institutions get more and more, in a sense, cancerous, right? And so, and then part of his framework was that you would need a very big shock to the system to reset everything. And, and back back in the day, right, from World War One, that that you know the the monarchy was shocked by World War One, the Great War. Which you know, monarchy? European monarchy, right? There was a whole reset of that. Mm, that's not the history that I know. But okay, go on. I, I think, you know, yes, you're right. Every civilization has its own shocks, big shocks. Well, that the point yeah. is, you, in order to get rid of, rid of the sclerosis of what uh-huh. the institutions uh-huh. have, like that, so that, that's like the framework. Aren't you supposed to be able right? to vote for it? No, so that's the, so that's the point. It gets to a point where <laughs> the institutions, uh, that's... It, it's not a shock enough to a vote won't do that, right? So, Civil law. But the, the point is that, like, I mean, whatever framework you want to think about, I think ultimately we're in this kind of phase where we're with pendulum just swinging the other way, right? So why, why you ask why are we going through war? Why are we doing this? Because we're just at that point in time where things swing back, right? So it's, I think it's a really hard transition phase. A lot of people are going to suffer from this probably. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be very tough till we get to the next phase of either more unity or, I mean, like, we also don't know. Like, this is, like, modern history is very, all very new. Well, you know and, what? There's not much an average citizen like you and I can do, right? Yeah, so we have to follow how things go or... Yeah, we, we just, we just follow, right? The leaders do what they do, mm-hmm. right? And the, hope that the, you're not the, in the, the... The alphabet agencies do what they do. Uh, we just, uh, maybe the only thing we can do is pick the right place to live in. If you have that privilege. So that, that brings me to the second point about everything you're saying. Mm-hmm. Now, you ask about why are we having this conflict between East and West or this mentality, or at least that's the narrative. Well, let, let, me, let me ask. Uh-huh. Do, you, do you want to live in China right now, or would you rather live in U.S. right now, or at least in the world's sphere of influence? I'm sorry to say, man, I would not want to live in the U.S. I would not want to live in China either, but if I had to pick between U.S. and China, I would go to China. But I'm very comfortable in Malaysia. <laughs> well, at least, I am, I am. at least you're putting your money where your mouth is. So you were, you're saying that if it push came to shove and... No, know. I've lived in both countries before. That's true. Right? And I've recently been to both countries again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was before, you know, COVID, right? Before the war. But already then there were big changes. But whatever it is, you know, home is here. Family is here. Our geopolitics over here are quite... Good, you know, we are very localized. Well, kind of a mix between sitting between worlds, which is kind of tricky, though. Yeah, I, I don't feel that we have this kind of bipartisanship yet. We're not, we're not that disunited over here. Yeah. Uh, although the election results say, say this and that, but you mm-hmm. know, overall, whatever government that, that, that comes in over here, are most of the time moderate. You mean the ones that come into power in Malaysia? Moderate. Yeah, mostly involved in local affairs. We don't go, we're not a big power that, that, that you know, dictates or tries to go for foreign adventures. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Never been that. We're part of ASEAN, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a quite, quite a, quite a, how to say, give and take culture over here, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So here is nice. Here is a good place to live. Uh, but for people in the US and China, or other countries that, that might get involved, you know, because they're, they're big enough. 
then maybe you know like your Russian friends right they are really really thinking oh shit where should I live right now well it also points to how you built your business or say you invest your money right so I think you know if you just look at the next one year oh you know I don't give a damn about geopolitics right yeah. I think it's not a big point of consideration versus what sector I'm going to invest my money in where's a good place to live or what my next product what, what, what my next product is depends on the nature of your business no, I mean, come on. There's macro and micro. That's micro. My, micro, yes, I agree. If, say, if you focus on one yeah. market. Like, like, think about it, right? Our immediate generation, two generations ago, for, for my family, your family too, they thought a bit macro. Can you elaborate? And, and that's where you are today. Can you elaborate? What do you mean by thinking macro? macro? My, my two, 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 three generations ago, you know, they You mean like moving from China yes, to Malaysia? Yes, they emigrated. Okay, and it was much more difficult. But it was a macro decision. They're no, not well, no, about, well, well, like, you know, well, what am I going to do as a, as a business no, in China well, or look, in Malaysia? You have to disagree a bit. That's, yeah. that, that's our narrative looking back on it. But in their everyday life, what the hardships they faced no, was a forcing no. function to... I'm pretty sure not 50% of China moved out. Well, may, maybe because... A tiny middle school portion, uh, perhaps less than a percent, also, made the macro decision to migrate. But it's because their everyday life was hard, right? These were probably yes. people who needed to work and they didn't have the opportunity. Not necessarily. Right? Not necessarily. I mean, yes. when, when my great grandparents left, it wasn't famine or war over there. But was but he a great privilege? Was he, was he wealthy? No, no. Exactly. No, but it, it's wasn't, the micro. it wasn't like, you know, his life was threatened here to run. Right? Life was probably hard. Yeah. At least this at is the narrative. Point. It wasn't at gunpoint, right? Yeah. But, but they were not a majority of the people. Mm. Yeah, a lot, the majority of the people stayed in country, right? Well, that's because they probably had to, right? It's not like everyone could pick up and go easily. No, you can if you want to, but you know people got to make the macro choice, right? But there's also this. I'm pretty sure their decision involved much more geopolitics than local politics. What, what about the effects of colonialism and and following the opportunity? I mean, that that has to be a part of it. It's not some simple narrative of you really thought they were so privileged that they could just think in the macro and like, oh, let's get up and go, and that's what happened. Yeah, I mean, there are simpler ways of macro thinking, right? They, they didn't have all the access to the news here and there. I'm pretty sure you know they heard oh Nanyang oh, that's a much better place oh, war is coming over here yeah you know one province rebelled oh crap they don't like us so yeah. they, they, they they left okay right so I think if you go back and and, and understand you know what what drove their, their decision to come over here I, I know in my case my family is like yeah you know at that time it wasn't a very safe place in China right there were wars in other provinces yeah. The Western, you know, countries like the, the, the streets of uh, the, the street settlements, Nanyang, it was called Nanyang over here, were much more advanced, right? Mm. And there were already a lot of like, uh, uh, how to say, there, there was already trade and business and people going back and forth throughout history, you know, 500 years. But longer, come on. It's oh, much si- more. I mean, significant amounts. Oh, you're talking about like modern Significant history, amounts, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'm pretty sure, you know, those immigrants made a macro choice about, okay, Generally, we think this country is going down, right? We're going to move to another country. Yeah, That was the decision made. Okay, so what's your point about micro-decision-making and how that relates today? Not uh, thinking about the global geopolitics. Because we're talking, because yeah, uh, we were talking about how would you invest your money? So you're saying what people don't think of the macro anymore or you don't, that's I not don't the know. framework they should? Or what are but, you saying? But I think, you know, the main decision is not just a micro-decision of like the company's products invest. But I think, you know, now that the world's uncertain, geopolitics have to become a real part of a decision. Okay. Yeah. So, so, okay, so that's what you're saying. That, well, so I'm confused because before... For example, 
if you got wiped out by Credit Suisse, yeah. you didn't make your geopolitics analysis because that would have been very evident. Oh, because I thought your point was saying that people... So you're saying people have made decisions on a too micro level and did yes, not include the macro. Okay, yes, I see. Yes. So, so you're saying, which, yeah, I, so I think I agree with your sentiment. Ultimately, we're at a point in time in history where when you make, even say angel investments, because you have to think carefully where your customer base is going to be and what regulations apply in the future. Unless like, for example, the only time I think it's not different if you're only looking at, say, I only invest in yeah. a beverage company in Malaysia, then, then, then no, then, then it only matters your local regime, right? That might change, right? You never know when you get sanctioned. For Coca-Cola recipe. So, yeah. Oh, no, for, that's for global companies. But say if I'm starting a new company in, in Malaysia, yeah. then you only look at exactly. your Exactly. But, but that, 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 that's my point. A micro decision like that, right? If you don't think about geopolitics, then, you know, you might have set up in the wrong country. Yeah. If it's, That yes. depends on the nature of your supply chain. If it requires... Uh, sorry, the point is, if you have anything, which I guess is almost every business now, there's some element of globalization. Mm-hmm. You do have to think about mm-hmm. the macro. Mm-hmm. You have to think mm-hmm. about the geopolitical. Mm-hmm. So I think we're in agreement on that then. Yeah. Just put yourself in the shoes of a Russian, let's say, Russian distributor of Audio-Technica. You know, in 2018, if you just said, I'm not going to think about world news. I'm just going to start my business. He's bankrupt right now. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Point taken. Just like that. Yeah. That's, I think that's because we were heading there, right? With, with the way the world was structured. Mm-hmm and the rise of China, mm-hmm. it was bound to happen, don't you think? I mean, yeah. of course it seems obvious in hindsight, but... Of course it's going to happen. Like, I mean, you, if, you, if you just take a step back and look at things at a, at a macro level, right? Yeah. You know, in history, everything has big pushes, right? Big yeah. changes here and yeah. there. Right? There's a great war after 100 years. Yeah. We, have a, we have an exceptionally long period of stability and peace. Yes. Mm. I think so. So we're now in the transition Especially phase. In this region. Yeah. But I think I'm just so sad at the way it's transitioning. It doesn't have to be like this. So region. risky, so risky. Don't you think Southeast Asia will be the beneficiary of this change then? Oh, yeah. Look at the trade numbers, man. Look yeah. at what's the, what, what our export of China has, has become. Yeah. The, what, 47% growth? Which, which, which is probably why the government is realigning because Malaysia is serving to that. Whereas yeah, the West has been down 17% last quarter, 47% yeah. up in ASEAN. If you look at Vietnam, though, I was just looking at... Uh, some 37% ro- up. Yeah, but Vietnam, their exports are actually very soft, actually, which was very interesting. Yeah, Vietnam didn't get in front of it. They were really high, I think. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're still growing. They're still growing very fast. 3.3% yeah. was the last print but on other GDP. Countries, other countries, Malaysia benefited a lot. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why. How, what about Singapore? <laughs> how, did they, how did they make out in this? They're, they're trying to benefit more and more. Well, <laughs> I, I was just reading an article. Ah, yes. Um, TNI News report from the Substack. Uh, I, saw the chi- I saw the Singapore section, and there's a complaint that there's a big push from the government to attract all this Chinese capital. And, but what's happening is all these rich tech entrepreneurs are coming in, but they're not putting money. They're just buying mansions and cars, buying club memberships. So the so money's not bad, actually distributing you know, and coming in. Maybe just a tech cohort would have a different... The Chinese tech industry, you know, they're not the 98% of the money, right? You're talking about institutional money or... No, I mean, like, like what, what has Singapore experienced? You know, one trillion dollars, one trillion, close to, uh, yeah, close to one trillion dollars has been deposited in Singapore banks in the last quarter. Ever since, uh, you know, the SVB collapse yeah. and the credit suisse, you know, route. So flight to quality? Yeah. Have you not seen the news, you know? I didn't follow. The Prime Minister of Singapore told the press not to make big news out of this. Was <laughs> it? Yes. 
$1,000 billion mm-hmm. has left Switzerland, has left Western countries, right? And has come back to Hong Kong and Singapore. What's, what's your source for this? I think, yeah. It's one of the articles you read. It's, um, it, it's, on a, it's probably on CNA somewhere. CNA, oh, okay. Yeah. CNA News, yeah, so which is actually right. Singaporean. Yeah, Singaporean. And so there, I think SPA as uh, was it the um, uh, they are, within Singapore they, they have a few you know yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, um, news brands and they all have a certain bias I think yeah of course yeah. of course so if CNA yeah. CNA wrote it the other papers would have write it too yeah my uncle said oh my god there you know so much money the banks don't want to take cash anymore it's just full how is the your bank vaults are full your uncle GDEX uncle yeah yeah. His wife, not not him, because he would never say that. His wife will. You talk to him about business. What does he think having a logistics company that's if regional, I guess, regional, right? Or is it mostly in Malaysia? Yeah, hey, he's actually moved beyond logistics. He's, he's moved trying to go into tech. In, into tech? Yeah. Did, what did you advise him? I don't want to say anything. <laughs> okay. But yeah, better not, right? Not don't get involved. Yeah. But I mean, how, do you have any idea what he's thinking about how he wants to protect, protect himself geopolitically, from his business, or how does he diversify? Um, is tech his diversification, or is it is it more of an amplification of his existing logistics business? Diversification. Diversification. Yeah. So he's too much eggs in one basket right now. Yes, it's a smart guy. Yeah. Yeah. In in terms of tech, what's he thinking? Just investing completely different domain expertise in tech, or adding tech to logistics? I think what he's. Uh Put some bets on, you know, has nothing much to do with logistics. Oh, interesting. Nothing at all. One with cybersecurity. Uh, the That's like, probably good, like, though. Like software, software house. What, what? It's a payment system. So this is way out of his um, comfort zone, or does he have some type of expertise in this? I mean, if you play chess, right, you, you got one horse that would probably not fare well against the three big, two big giants, you know, if you go on a spending spree. Yeah. So maybe your strategy for this one is to outlast them. Mm. But if that doesn't work out, you have to just treat either, you know, different yeah. diversified bets. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So I guess that's his thinking. Interesting. But then any specific reason why he picked those areas? No, I think he's, uh, he works on the approaches, you know. Good founder, good investor, good good team. Okay, so just like business, business fundamentals. Any, yeah, how yeah. you make any, any good investment, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. Okay. But that's his view. Like, that's how I see, you know, how he's mm-hmm. thinking. How is the world of uh, palm oil and palm farming I worry that. Actually, I don't worry much. I think it's okay. Commodities are stable. I think it's going to be a good staple commodity. Well, what has been the trends from the past few years leading till now? Right. So there's like pre-COVID. There's COVID. Now there's Ukraine war. Is there anything along the lines of commodities that benefits or hurt gets hurt from this? Well, CPO is food. CPO is being yeah, food, food, all uh, crude palm oil, crude palm oil, CPO. Okay, production is you know limited. I mean, there's only two big countries that that, that export it: Malaysia and Malaysia, Indonesia. Indonesia. You know, we we produce you know around seven six percent more every year. That's a lot. Is there enough land to support this growth? No, no. So, but it, so uh, would that, that now most of it has come from, you know, improvements in yield and not, yield, not yeah, from so new, technology. New, new acreage. Yeah. The acreage growth rate has been below the, uh, the yield growth rate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the price growth has been way higher than any of the yield growth or, or acreage growth. What, what's the percentage of institutional farming in palm oil versus small fragmented farming? It's about 80-20. 60-40 so, for Indonesia. 
and then 20, 80, 20 Malaysia. So Malaysia is very developed, I guess. Mm. Yeah, we are more developed in Asia. Th- does that mean for your family business over time that gets smaller and smaller because you get squeezed out with more installation or will it always be 80-20? I think it's hard to change the ratio. It's quite There's not much, not much land left to change yeah. the ratio by much. I think yeah. in any case, it, it might lean towards less institutions. Ha- I mean, I don't know, but I don't see any big reason why it'll shift to 70-30. Yeah. There's not much land left to, 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 to change it. Any technology unlocks in terms of productivity to make it easier for smaller guys to take market share? No. No, I- even if someone comes up with a new, you know, new seed, new genome, right? It'll yeah. take some time to replant the whole thing. And, yeah, that's and, true, and it's, yeah. it's made available to everyone. Well, what's the cycle of, of seed planting to harvesting? About four years. Four years. Yeah. Okay. Four years to a new crop. And how much land do you need to have a very healthy cycle of continuous um, production? It doesn't matter, you know. I mean, it, it's... How much land do you mean? What, like, like at any point, you, you might replant just 20% of your land. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right? Yeah. And you, you could be concurrent. Okay. So you won't end up with a year where you don't have income. Yeah, correct. Yeah. But not many people do it. Why? When prices are high, they hold on to their, their big fruits. Ah, okay. Yeah. I see. And now it's a case where it's high. It's, it's been very, very high. I mean, we're at, at 3,700 ringgit. What's causing the, the, what's causing the price increase? It has, it's either supply or, or demand, right? So which one is it? No, no, something happened during COVID. It never came down. That's weird. But also they say that the cost structure of industry has changed. Or, 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 that, that's a nice way of saying that Indonesia and Malaysia has formed a cartel. Okay. Oh, uh, well, okay, yeah. So do, you th- so do you think there's collusion going on? Oh, yes. It's announced already. Right? Is it? Yeah, we have uh, got together in the nations and we are, now we have uh, created our own palm oil OPEC. And the biggest end use of consumer palm oil would be cooking oil? Oh, or or industrial products? No, no, mostly. Co- I mean, it's food, Commercial right? products? Food. Food. Yeah, most of it goes to calories. Mm-hmm. All the byproducts go to like, you know, other kinds of... Uh, but by terms of value, you know, maybe that's 40%, 50%. Yeah. But in terms of weight of the product, yeah, ten percent is non-food. Ninety percent mm. goes to food. Okay, ninety percent food. So, the only thing that could ever change this monopoly is that the consumer pattern of, you know, consuming palm oil as the end food products, right? That's not going to change. You can't. I mean, there are always lobbies that are against palm oil. The European lobbies. Oh yeah, <laughs> they, went they, they, they try to ban it again. Yes. Yeah, very annoying. It's not the first time, you know. Yeah, many times. So, so that's a. Uh, Unprovoked Western sanction. Yeah. So what does this all mean then for you? What are you looking forward to? What do you? What does the next few years look like for you? Where, where's your focus? Where do you keep? I told you before, man. Start family. <laughs> mm. I think uh, I have no wish to change the world. Mm-hmm. Maybe later. Later on. Yeah. So now, now you know, get things stable again. I got a new puppy. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna get married. Congratulations. So let's get that sorted first. Mm-hmm. See how the world collapses. And yeah. <laughs> try something again. Wait, wait. Well, isn't the best time when there's a lot of volatility to start investing? Yeah. There's always time. Yeah. 36. Maybe you should play a different hand of cards now. Mm-hmm. Play a different game. What game do you want to play? Used to play a different kind of game, right? Yeah. All in bet. Mm-hmm. Now I've got to play a bit. What's a good... Good game to play now. 
traditional cash flow. Hold your cards. Hold the cash. Hold all your cards. Yeah. There's no rules here. You can hold as many as you want. It's just wait and see. Yeah. Until a good opportunity comes up. Yeah. Are you? Would you be more partial to investing locally or abroad? You can invest abroad. Oh, it goes back to geopolitics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm very honest for buying gold. Mm-hmm. As much gold as I can. <laughs> You're holding on to your gold? Phys- yes. You're talking physical gold or contracts? It's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm inclined to think, you know, we, we, I mean, we, we bought a Maybank, you know, they're pretty safe, right? Yeah. But, but it's still a, a certificate, right? Yeah. If that bank runs, then maybe there's no gold. Mm-hmm. So maybe you will go. Mm. Like gold under the bed. <laughs> okay. Let, let, let's talk the last section about trading. You you did a lot of crypto trading. Yeah, I still do. You still do? Yeah. And then you traded. When did you start trading? During uh, the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And then you traded through the pandemic. Mm-hmm. You've seen a lot of cycles. That was a huge run-up, right? Crash. Mm-hmm. Um, FTX happened last year, end of last year. Mm-hmm. And so how has it affected your trading? Oh, that the FTX didn't really affect me much. I wasn't doing much then. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Luno one did. L- okay, so the Luno, Luno blew crash. up some of your positions. The Luno, the Luno blew up. Yeah. Uh, that was, yeah, that was bad. Well, what was your strategy? What's your strategy for trading? Same, man. Supply and demand. When the prices look high, I short. When the prices look low, I, I long. So you do scalping, basically, very short time frames within, within a day? One, two days, three days. One, two, three. So you're scalping within a few days. Yeah. And just there's, there's so much difference in one, two days. Yeah, because well, yeah, you're basically you're using volatility to get the price difference. And, and yes. It's, it's very, yes. So it's all very technical. There's nothing to read about there's crypto no, that makes sense. Yeah, there's no fundamental. You can read any white paper. It's like, okay, so what? Does it go up or down? What, what, what does this mean? That's because you're trading purely. That's why. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. I think, you know, of course I'm trading, right? But doesn't mean when you trade, you have to understand you know, what other people are interpreting this, these white papers are saying, right? I, I look yeah. at I look at the end. They can think whatever they want, but my strategy is, you know, I, I look at volume and price and, and looking at that, I can infer to what they're thinking. Which, yeah, so volume and price essentially are just proxies to the psychology of... Yes. Which, which informs supply yes. and demand, which Correct. shifts the price. Right? If there's a price with a certain volume that, you know, is, is, there's a lot, means, you know, the market wants to buy yeah. this price. If I see there's a lot less volume at this price than the previous price point, then it's very clear, you know, it's, it's either too low or too high. Yeah. So the strategy is very simple. Use some basic technical indicators that inform on price and volume and have a certain rule base and you follow that. Yes, because this is a manif- manifestation of whatever the fundamentalists are thinking. Mm-hmm. So it is the ultimate manifestation. So then success comes down to risk management and psychology, yeah, managing I, yourself. I'm not good at that. Still learning. Much better. Much better. Yeah. But so, then again, not a main part of what I do for a living, right? Yeah. That's, now this I just is, wait for, I just go back to the farm once in a while. Yeah. We, we got a few new crops to plant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is much easier, stable. Yeah. Make sure the family business is still yeah, making it, cash come in. Correct. Correct. And, and that can do the next generation. And then this is just the... Uh, and, and gold, gold. Yeah. And, and crypto is just more of the, if you get lucky, you get lucky, I guess. No, it's just a gambling habit. <laughs> So, but you, at one point you were convinced you could 
trade your weight to wealth. Is, is this the wrong mentality, you think? these? No, I think uh, it can be done. It's just very hard, though. It still follows the power rules, right? The majority of people will not be able to do it. I never thought I was a majority. <laughs> Until the market proves you otherwise? or It's okay. You it's know? hard. It's hard. No, it's okay. It's good to admit. It's okay to admit. It's okay. It's it doesn't mean I'm giving up. Yeah, but, but you pair your risk better, probably. You have more discipline, probably. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The power rules also, you know, a bigger business that's way more established, you know, has much higher chance of being getting bigger than by, by fetching it for one. Well, in, but the other flip side of that is when you're smaller, you could also compound to the bigger faster. Mm, true. I mean, it's a double-edged sword, right? So. It's just, it's a, it's a game of risk. One has low risk, you know, it's consistent cash flow. Yeah. Yeah. One is, there's big potential. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And it's, it's something I like to do. So then... Looking on your, you know, what you look at on your horizon, nothing in terms of investing or building or anything. You know, everyone's talking about AI. Nothing interesting for you? I can't seem to do something about it. Can you? Could you? What was your last question to ChatGPT? Make a list of groups of values that I have into core values and then just organize it. How does that know who you are? How does it do that? No, I inputted the values list. Okay, then you ask it to sort. Yeah. And what did that do for you? I was able just to just, I was just lazy. I, I could think about this list of like 40, 50 values and then. What was it. it for content, right? Or what? No, I was just thinking about values in general. I see. I asked ChatGPT to be a Buddha. And then? And speak as Buddha, answer as Buddha, mm -hmm. keep character. He didn't really sound like Buddha to me. I mean, it sounded like him, but all really just. Nothing deep. Yeah, well. Nothing deep. Seems. What are you expecting? Like some type of AGI type response, like you know, where it's like a real intelligent. I don't know. Game? Like like when I read a book of quotes, you know, yeah. or, or, or you know, some some concepts about Buddhism. Yeah. Wow, they're enlightening. They're deep. Mm -hmm. This is just like makeup. Yeah, I mean, I think you're speaking to the main academic critics of ChatGPT that it's just not really uh, fully intelligent. It's very good at you know, what it was trained on and the data set that it pulls from ultimately, but it's not really yeah, intelligence. Course, intelligence. Course. So you, you're it, just hitting it's, upon it's that. Not, but, yeah. but it's power to, you know, do work that, that used to be do, done by, you know, humans. So it's there. Yeah. It can write simple scripts. It can sort out your Excel VBA, you know, or, or give you something to work on very easily. There's going to do a lot more things more product productively now. Yes. For yes, sure, yes. for sure. But I don't do that work anymore. Yeah. <laughs> what, what about using it toward... So how do you make money off it? Improve your yields on palm oil production. Not much. <laughs> Doesn't do much. Doesn't do much. Yeah, I've already went through that route. It, Have you tried? You tried. You can't tell me, you know, how, how much I can load my trailer, you know, and what lorry I need, what, what tractor I need to, to pull it. You can't give me the specific model number. Right? It just tells me the general guidelines. Duh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I thought you might might have been able to do that. That, that would so, have been exciting. So there is so for, yeah, for example, then there is um specific investment or building opportunities in training specific data sets. So say if you have a very specific data set and you train it a certain way on palm oil data. So like actually the palm oil people probably could benefit from this because they sit on huge amounts of data, put it into a neural network, and then you run ChatGPT on top of that. It probably can then answer much better to what you're looking for. Probably, right? That could be an idea. Yeah. But I mean, you, you need the data set, which it's just a question if these big companies can act on it then. Because it's relatively 
the basics of the large language models are, are out there. If you have enough money, you could hire the right people to probably get it set up, right? Yeah, I suppose that could be done. Yeah. You know, if everyone gives, puts out the data, what they use, how they do it, yeah. every data point that they have, what yeah. they buy, yeah. right? Uh, and then that model can probably figure out when you ask it. Yeah, correct. Right? It'll just figure out what all the rest do Yeah, and tell you. Because that's actually not so easy to find out what all the rest do. So there is some defensibility in these unique data sets that give actually answers much pr- more productively where, for example, a smaller palm oil producer like you would. But you know, fundamentally, the work in the palm oil industry is less than 1% debt. That's something you have to think about once in your lifetime. Yeah. Yeah, on what tractor should I buy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Your ROI. That, right? That's not the, the work. Making. That's not yeah. the work, right? The, the, the work is, you know, as any work, right? Is, is being there, having people, you know, assigning tasks, well, the, getting things done. <laughs> The real unlock would be uh, getting a... Talking about whether it replaces human intelligent work. Not really. Yeah. Well, right? the, the bigger part is manual it make, work, It right? makes homework, yes. It makes homework easy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not a majority of work. Well, your big problem would be, like, say if you wanted to scale. It's one is very capital-intensive, land-dependent, mm-hmm. and also labor-dependent. Mm-hmm. So for palm oil industry, it would be the bigger unlocks of leverage and getting more margin would be probably using less people that are more productive, which would be yeah. like a, a robot or something, right? No, I, I mean... Or just industrial scale. I, I think AI has been very, very helpful in, in, in science, right? The hard sciences, like, you know, the academics, yeah. helping them write papers, mm. helping them do their research, or, or, you know, compiling information, you know, figuring out things over there. Yeah. yeah. So that's high-level thought, like, like, you know, you would need AI constantly, the whole day, yeah. to help you do this. Yeah. yeah. That, that's helpful. Mm-hmm. But for other industries, I don't know. Mm. Maybe programming also might be very helpful as it gets faster and faster. It, yeah, like, it fills up more for you. I think. I think ultimately, it opens a lot of doors for less technical people. Um, one, one like you said, is programming. I, I talked to a founder recently. You think so? A less technical person using ChatGPT to become like well, a technical person? Uh, I mean, not at this current stage because you still need to interpret the results. But over time, as it gets better. Technical person would use the AI better than these guys. As in, it's the same for, for now, for now. Yeah. For now. you think even now, I don't think so. I mean, there would have to... Well, it, like, let's follow the history of computer language development. You start with um, machine code. Then mm-hmm. now we have very high level Yeah, but there's, languages. Still, there's still people at the top. And like there's, there's, it's not evening out. You can't say anyone's you know, doing at the same level. But there's, there's always that no, there's more. That. there's more people who have access at, you know, using like uh, okay, JavaScript, yeah. right? So yeah. It's a bigger base. Yeah, so eventually you get to that point. Yeah, but you, you still always need those highly technical people. There's no correct. doubt about that. That's never going to probably change. Correct, correct, correct. Right? So those, those are fundamental principles, I think. But then correct. ultimately it widens the funnel of access of people doing more things that they would not have been able to do in the past right? on a more quote-unquote technical level, whatever that means. Right? It's very good. That's true. Yeah. So where do you plan to live? For the next 10 years. Making content like this, man. <laughs> You're going to live here in Malaysia? Oh, oh you mean ge- geographically? Yeah. But that's, um, you know, if I have the privilege, uh, it's not so much of, um, it's more of a choice, right? If you have the privilege. So I, I still have family in the U.S. Mm-hmm. I'd like to spend some time here, but I can't escape here. Wife is from here. Mm-hmm. So we'll spend some time here. Uh, Asia's probably still more exciting than U.S. in terms of growth and potential. Are you going to move back? 
It's hard to say in the future, right? So, but you from, think they might? Hmm? You think your family might come here? No. Oh, you mean like my family uprooted and moved? No, they're not. No, they're really? American through and through. They're not going to change. Yeah, maybe. Unless something bad happens, but you know, hopefully not, no shock to the system. That politics. Yeah. Macro decision. Yeah. For now, for now, it's everyone's you know, staying put where they are. Macro decision. Yeah. All right, June. Well, thank you for um, doing this. Uh, Unrecorded, unlife session. It's fun to talk on this. Thank off, you. Off thank you cuff. for giving me the experience. Yeah, no, it was fun. It's, uh, you know, we say a lot of, I don't know if what we said was substantial. We're both people who don't know much about yeah. politics, but yeah. we're just shooting a shit. So um, thank you for your time. And uh, A lot of people don't know much. Yeah. Yeah, it's YouTube. <laughs> what to expect? <laughs> that is true. But then again, you know, even outside YouTube, what do you think? <laughs> I've seen people, you know, who have PhDs going up there believing nonsense. That is true. So, what do we all know? No, I think, you know, we're 36. I think we're old enough to see that nobody really knows much. Everyone is entirely capable to believe in bullshit. Yeah. They, they, they have the ability to, to, to be super good here and be completely, you know, brainwashed. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, even me, even me. Of course. And then uh, I guess we'll leave it here. So, thanks for your time. Thank you.